Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. That's cbp.gov careers usbp. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Another week, another podcast. This is the Custard TV podcast. It's the podcast for TV lovers run by three TV obsessives. Your obsessives this week are myself, Luke, hello, Matt in the north. Hello. And uh, Chris Binion, hello, sir. Uh, hello, nice to be here. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate it a lot. And you write for The Times at the moment, don't you? Yes, that's right. I, uh, I'm i in the pay of The Times. Just because I couldn't pay you three years ago, you thought, I'll go and get a job properly. Uh, that's it, exactly. I, know I, had to, I had to pay the rent. It always irritates me when people use that as an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's never paid me, Chris, but I'm still in. <laughs> no, but I've got, I've got stuff on him, Chris. That's why, uh, why we're, st- we're still doing this. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. So this is the podcast where we chat TV, uh, we've got reviews, we've got a quiz at the end where we put so-called TV-loving Chris through the paces of a new feature we call Boxmaster. We'll do that at the end so far. The score's on the board. We've only played it twice. You've got 12 points. If you beat more than 12 points in the style of Ken Bruce's Popmaster, which we have no affiliation no, no, with. No, no affiliation with. Don't no. say that. You'll win our respect, which you don't have at this point. So we'll play that in a bit. First of all, though, uh, we mentioned on Twitter our social media question. What is your favourite first episode of a show ever? I have to abstain from this because I watch it. No, come on. Go on. I can't do it. Have you got one or two? Have you got a couple in mind? I've got... I've got a top 40 that I just can't. Yeah, okay. So what's number one, two and three? I really loved the first episode of Broadchurch. I thought yeah. that was really well done. That's why I've got my issues with that show from now on. I thought the first episode of The Returned was very good. The first episode oh, of the yeah. first episode of The Bridge really drew me in. Happy Valley comes up later. There's just so many. What would yours be, Chris? Have you got a definitive favourite ever first episode? Well, I, I was thinking about this, and the sort of hipster answer... Uh, the hipster part of me wants to say The Sopranos. It's not a very, yeah. um, not a very original answer, but um, if you watch it now, it's an amazing. It is an amazing it, episode. We, it establishes yeah, it really something. Is. Part of the reason I love that episode so much is because I've seen it so many times, and the reason for that is it took me about five or six goes to get in to The Sopranos. So I think yeah. I've watched the first three episodes, like five, maybe six times before I, I cracked it. And then, and now it's, you know, I consider it to be the best thing I've, I've watched. So my brain tells me it's the best first episode. My heart tells me, Chris, you really struggle with that episode. Uh, it took you a long time to, to sort of get what it was all about. So I'll say, I'll say a recent one, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, first Thank episode. Thank you. Well done. That's a great Absolutely. choice as well. Amazing, amazing. Just while we're on The Sopranos, because I'm going through it now, there's part of you, isn't there, that sometimes we don't give shows enough time to grow, but when you learn that this show is supposed to be the most incredible thing to ever hit the box, you just stick with it. And I I wonder 
why you felt you had to keep going on The Sopranos. Because I loved the first episode, but then later on it dropped off for me, and then I got we back did into a it. review, didn't we, on the Patreon yeah. the first season? We, me and Luke didn't watch it till last year. Was it just the fact that it was supposed to be this amazing TV show that you wanted to keep going on? I guess it was, and I had friends who kept swearing blind. It was, you know, it was the best thing in the world, and you should, you should watch it, and you've got to get through it, and. There's been a few shows that have been like that, that I haven't mm. got on board with and then I've powered through. Um, where The Sopranos is different is I got to the end of the first series and thought, okay, yeah, I get it. This is yeah. this is top draw stuff. Whereas other series I've powered through and, and worked hard to, 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 to break through the early episodes and got to the end of a series and thought, I wish I hadn't bothered. Um, Just give me one example of that, because I'm really interested to know what, what that would be, one example where you got all the way through and thought, oh, I've wasted however many hours. Yeah. Um, well, a recent one that I didn't love that I know a lot of people did was Ozark. Um, no, I don't get that myself. I'm no, I, I don't either. And I really worked hard on Ozark. I watched the first episode probably two or three times, and then I powered through the series, kept waiting for that moment where I thought, yeah, Ozark never came. And... <laughs> Nobody's ever said those words ever, really, have they? Yeah, Ozark. So what, yeah, did, what, mean, did, what have you got, Matt? You've got to well, give yours just, now. Just to Chrissy's point, I felt like that with The Sopranos and um, with The Wire took me a few goes. Um, to get through, and I had to power through that one. I'm going to go with one that came up a lot on on Twitter, and that's Lost. For me, those first... And I I watched it again recently, just this week, just to sort of validate that. And just those first ten minutes of the action and things, it really, really draws you in. And it's just like, yes, I want to watch this. It's so disorientated to start off with. As a first episode... It was such an introduction to sort of the, the fact that, A, you know, there's this plane crash and how, dis- you know, they were killing minor characters off in the the um, exhaust of the plane as that had sort of was still whirring on and things like that. And it just really grabbed you from the off. And then you get the fact that, you know, this is this island isn't like a normal island and. And it, it does build on that mystery. And I, just as a first episode, not as an entire series, I think that really works. And I would agree with you on Broadchurch as well. So should we should we see what they said on Twitter? Yes, put your hand in the sack and get out some mail. Graham Thompson, Gold John Gallagher, Craig Heathcote all said lost, agreed with me. Um, Craig said just a shame about the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. Angus T says Buffy, fusing fantasy with strong, relatable, emotional stories, bold characters, clearly drawn and daring to mix laugh-out-loud humour with tense, scary moments. It has a swagger and a verve copied by many. Uh, <laughs> Sophie Davis, at it's Sophie Davis. I think the first episode of Frasier is genius. Perfectly introduces all of the characters and sets up the tense, adverse relationship between Frasier and his dad. Plus also, it's very funny. Uh, Lauren Jones is back, says the opening episode of Life on Mars. Still my yes, favourite show ever. Yes, that, that also I watched the, recently again. Also, the opening of Mad Dogs was great. Couldn't wait for the next one. Do you remember Mad Dogs? Yeah, it's just, that really went nowhere after that. And I agree with her. The first one was really good. A great cast. I remember and the first but... Yeah, it was John Sim and Philip Glenister, wasn't it? Mark among Warren others. and Max Beasley, yeah. Mo Walker at Doctor Mo 77 says, um, Rose, Series 1, Episode 1 of the Doctor Who revamp. Chris Reckleston and Billy Piper had great chemistry. They played off each other rather well. Jackie and Mickey were great supporting characters. Russell T. Davis's dialogue was kinetic, all-around good, silly fun. Um, we need to get these people on, because I, I don't put <laughs> sentences together like that. Gem like, Gem, Susan Seddon and Sarah all said car share, interestingly. Yeah. Susan um, has an explanation, but by the end of its first episode, I couldn't wait to find out more about John and Kaylee after finding out they were both single. Every scene line made me laugh and was enjoyable to watch. Have never felt that excited about a TV show before. Full Starts podcast at Full Starts Pod. Um, I know it's pretty poor now, but Walking Dead had a great season, and that pilot was a brilliant start. Sophie Petzl, um, the the creator of Blood, 
um, has said, um, among others, Happy Valley, Sherlock, The Good Wife, and uh, Sex Education, which we reviewed last week. And then um, she said, I think comedies are, really, are easier, as you can realise, oh great, it's funny and I'll keep watching. Whereas so many dramas use episode one to set things up. My favourite shows, Mad Men and Peaky Blinders, both put me off first time round because I thought the pilots were un- so uninspiring. So that's an interesting point to make. Mm. I mean, but, The Royal Family would be one of mine. I remember finishing that and going, this is something incredible, I need to keep mm-hmm. watching it. And but then something like The Office, which is now seen as this amazing thing. I don't think I loved the first episode that much, originally. Got a few more here. Robin Parker says, Alias, basically a, wo- a movie... A whole movie's worth of material in the first episode. Um, Deborah Shrewd, Shrewd Kitty says the first episode of 30 Rock. Incredibly well written. Instantly, indelibly strong and believable characters. And then she follows up with The Sopranos and Mad Men, of course. The great American novel translated to the small screen. Jason at Fleason 77 says they're obvious ones like Buffy and Angels. But I'm going to say the first episode of NBC's Chuck um, with Zachary Levy pulled me in from Day Dot and was fantastic fun show. And also says, drama-wise, Cold Feet is another one, which we'll be talking about in a little while. Mike Bullen was casting excellence in 90s to now. At Palm by the Sea says, Pushing Daisies. Also, Happy Valley. You said you mentioned that, Luke, because Catherine yeah. Cabot is one of the best written female characters in TV history. Paul Whitelaw says, the very first episode of The Fall and Rise of Reginald Perrin, um, which is yeah. one of my favourite comedies. Establishes the premise, characters, themes, tones within 30 fat-free and funny minutes. Ben Donnell uh, says the day-to-day is the obvious one. That's an interesting sort of left-field choice. As a 15-year-old, it was just amazing. Even having listened to it on the hour, I'm now 40 and everything, and it's, every bit is amazing now. And finally, uh, Fiona Smith at Pinky Smith 1 says, This country, Scarecrow, totally knew it was for me five minutes in. And there was many more. Sorry we couldn't yeah. get to everyone. And I thought there was a lot of different choices in there, which was which was interesting. Yeah. You know, a lot of people said Lost and a lot of people said Car Share and Happy Valley and things like that. But there was a, a few left field choices as well. So thanks for getting in touch on that one. Yeah. OK, uh, so on the reviews menu today, we have four shows that we struggled to cobble together. Two big ones, Cold Feet on ITV and True Detective on Sky Atlantic. And then two sort of below-the-radar shows that may well have been below the radar for good reason. The Passage, which is on Fox on Tuesdays, and The River, which is on Walter Presents Now. You can watch the whole box set. I think we'll start with Cold Feet. Uh, This started on uh, Monday night on ITV. This is Series 8 of the ITV comedy drama, or Series 3 of the reboot, whichever way you want to look at it. There's three stories here, really, because they might pull in likes to give each of his actors and couples things to do. So you had Karen and David learning that their eldest son, Josh, had left university early. You had Pete and Jenny convinced uh, that she was expecting another baby and then discovering a, a possibly cancerous lump. And then you had Adam, the James Nesbitt character, thinking that he was still capable of hitting on a younger woman in the coffee shop that he regularly uh, attends and uh, ending up hitting on his son's girlfriend. Those were the the basic building blocks of the plot of this first episode. I, as you know, if you've listened, are a big I'm a big fan of Cold Feet. However, this episode for me felt really odd, and I sort of started it going, I don't really want to see James Nesbitt hitting on women anymore. You know, I'm sort of bored with that. The Karen and David stuff wasn't that engaging. Oddly, Pete and Jenny, who are my least favourite couple, really, have had some of the best stories over the reboot, what with Pete's depression and now Jenny with this finding this lump that's going to change their life and their lifestyle. I don't know whether this episode felt like it was trying to be too funny. There was, you know, reference to Ramona marrying a count, which sounded hilarious in her accent and... I don't, I don't know, it, bits of it didn't work for me. By the end, I'd sort of fallen slightly back under its spell a bit, but what did you think of it? I, I said this on Twitter a while ago, um, that Cold Feet is the one programme, I think, where it's the, got the biggest gulf between what I think I think of it <laughs> and what I actually think of it when I'm, when I'm watching it. Because if you ask me, do I like Cold Feet? I'll say no. 
it's just like a slightly jazzy soap opera. It's the mm. same old, same old, you know, James Nesbitt's doing his James Nesbitt impression. You know, all the actors are just doing all their stock business and you know what's going to happen. And then you watch it and everything five minutes, you think, oh, I love these guys. It's just so great that they're back and it's great to be back in their company. And oh, I'm like, yeah, well, it's really lovely. It's like, it's like sort of, you know, those sort of family get-togethers that you slightly dread. After about an hour, everyone's had a drink, and you think, you know what, this is really nice, and we should do this more often, and I don't I don't hate you guys at all, you're nice. <laughs> and that's essentially how I feel about Cold Feet, and that's how I experienced this episode as well. Wasn't wasn't looking forward to watching it. Felt like a bit of a chore. And within five minutes, I was, I, I, I was, absolutely, I was absolutely back. I think Mike Bullen... Heading downtown to a museum, sporting event, show, or for holiday shopping? Plan ahead for the Red Line service changes starting Monday, December 18th through Saturday, December 30th. Free shuttle buses will replace trains between DuPont Circle and Gallery Place. For more detailed information and travel alternatives, call 202-637-7000 or visit wamata.com, W-M-A-T-A.com. Discover, this is Daniela. Hi, it's Jennifer Coolidge. I just want to thank you for making me feel so special. I earned cash back on debit for my dinner party groceries. That's great. But with Discover Cashback Debit, we give everyone cash back on everyday purchases. Anything else I can help you with? Do you like asparagus and mushroom sorbet? I've got leftovers. Introducing Discover Cashback Debit, a checking account with cash back. It pays to discover. Eligibility in terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Has done so well with this um, sort of rebooted bit of Cold Feet, his last two or three series, because I think he's obviously matured as a, as a as a person, obviously as you do as you get older, and he shifted the focus so well from friends and relationships, and I think he's so good at the parent-child relationships. Mm. I think they're the, they're almost the most compelling aspect about it, and. Um, I didn't actually mind the stuff with uh, Adam being this aging Lothario um, uh, and his son being slightly embarrassed by him. Because I think it's, you know, it's, it's about time that side of Adam's character was sort of challenged. And, uh, and it's nice that his son, his son was, was, was doing it. But I agree with you about um, Jenny and Pete. I think they're the strongest thing about it. And I think that's because they're still together. They're still a unit, aren't they? Whereas the other ones are all disparate and having to find reasons to come together, aren't they, really? He's having to manufacture plot lines for them that don't always feel right. Whereas with Pete and Jenny, he can keep it. Okay, it's big stuff. You know, you've had his depression. You've possibly uh, her having cancer in this series. Um, That's big stuff. It's not left field stuff, you know. It's it's, it's stuff that happens to, to people. And I, and I, I'm really, really enjoying them, them this series. And I think, you know, well, I'm not sure what's going to happen with, with, with Jenny, but it's going to give favourably a chance to really get her teeth into something, which is she's deserved. I think she's been a bit of a foot soldier. I think throughout the series, yeah. so this might be her moment. Really, I've been trying to think why. Why do I think I don't like it? And actually, I do. And I think it is because of the casting, and it's because they're so brilliantly like the, the central five are so superbly cast forget that okay they, they all now play versions of that character in other shows because they're so good at it and you forget that this is where the the john thompson character was created this, this is where the robert bathurst character was created these are this is the original really i think i see them as a typecast which isn't fair for cold feet because this is where those personas were honed and, yeah. and first created um so I think that possibly, possibly the show and those actors, for me, are victims of their own uh, success. Possibly they've become too familiar, but that's not a problem when you're when you're watching it. But I think that the biggest problem that I've spoken to Mike as well before, and he's alluded to the biggest problem is you feel like you have to give them all something to do. And I think now it's more obvious to me as a viewer of this reboot, oh, he's, he's obviously done that so that Robert Bathurst has got something to do or Hermione Norris has got something to do rather than because it's plot-driven or it's going to move the story along. And that's where I f- fall out with it a tiny bit. Only a tiny bit, but I do. I, I agree. And so it doesn't... I mean, it's a, it's a show that's full, full of good stuff, but it doesn't get everything 
it doesn't get everything right. And there's the odd, the odd misstep. There is one, one thing I have to share with, with, with the listeners is a tip for watching Cold Feet that makes it all the more, whether you're a fan of it or not, makes it all the more enjoyable. Did you guys ever watch uh, Toast, the, yes. the, the comedy yes. series? Yeah. He plays Matt Berry's flatmate, and he's, he's also an actor. He's not playing the, char- the actor from a Bathurst. He's playing an actor. So I watch Cold Feet, and I imagine that it isn't Robert Bathurst, but <laughs> it's the character from Toast. He's finally... Took his dressing gown off and got a yeah. job. <laughs> yeah, this is just his latest, latest gig, and you can, and it really it adds it's a adds a sense of um, adds a <laughs> I like that. I can't decide now whether you've made it ten times better or ruined it completely. For yeah. I can't. I agree about the Jenny and Pete storyline. Um, I, I like the, the stuff as well um, with the the guy in the river and. You know, Pete going to save him and thinking he's doing a good deed and then turning out he was trying to take his own life. And that sort of moment where he visits him in hospital was sort of the bit that I thought was the sort of the standout moment in the episode. I would agree with you, Luke, about the Adam and Matthew storyline for the most part. I found it a bit cringy, but then I think once you got to the conclusion, that is how you meant to have meant to felt feel. about it. Yeah. Because he has this big thing about, Dad, you're an embarrassment now and... I, I liked that speech at the end. I think what what um, Mike Bullen's done now is is strip it back to its bare essentials. We were quite critical of the last series. I think the cast were as well. I mean, it was it, it got a bit heightened in terms of the amount of story that was in there with the woman who um, Adam was working with, who was trying to seduce him because her his new partner had seduced her ex-partner. Oh, I'd forgotten that, all about that. That, that all felt that. a bit contrived. And it feels like they're going back to the characters now with the health problems with Jenny and even the stuff with Karen and David, which I agree was sort of the weakest aspect, maybe. You know, you know these characters, you know that this is how they're going to react and the, the way they resolved it felt natural. And I think it's good to have it on at this time of year as well. It's good sort of comfort TV, as you were saying, Chris, you know, you're comfortable with these characters. They're like old friends or family members that you can just sort of and you can just sort of relax into this, really. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. Well, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, I have major and I house envy, though, when I watch it. Karen's house is particularly amazing. She's a publisher. I don't know how well publishers earn, but her kitchen is... Like it's just come out of a magnet catalogue. I think you meant to insinuate that Karen did quite well from the divorce from David when he had money. Um, That's true, actually. Yeah. yeah. And then he married his divorce lawyer. But of course, it's not David. It's the bloke from Toast, and I will remember that forevermore. <laughs> and my life with Cold Feet is ruined. <laughs> but yeah, so Cold Feet Monday nights where it should be really uh, ITV for the next five weeks, um, and I'm sure that Faye Ripley's story will be the thing that keeps me coming back for the remainder mm. of the show. Moving on slightly to a show with completely different tones, but another sort of big returnee is uh, Nick Pizzolatto's True Detective, which returned on Sky Atlantic on Monday. It's the third season, and I'm going to butcher the Oscar nominee's name, and I don't want to. How do you pronounce it correctly? Maharshala Ali, I think. Maharshala Ali. He's there playing a cop. Uh, in three different timelines, as um, True Detective likes to do. It revolves around the disappearance of two young children, a brother and a sister, in 1980s in the Ozarka region. The character he plays over three generations, so there's the investigation of the missing children. Then there's him in the 90s, uh, where he's told by his colleagues that they found the wrong man and put the wrong person behind bars. And then there's the third timeline where a much older character is struggling with dementia and struggling to remember important things about his life, who is being interviewed for a sort of Making the Murderer style series on the case as it was very high profile. These three storylines intertwine together. That's a bugbear of mine when we do flashbacks, flash forwards, because it can be a bit jarring, but I did think it was one of the aspects of this that worked. But Chris, what was your what's your do you have a history with this show anyway? And if not, what did you think of this first episode? Yeah, well, I, I do. I've watched it since the beginning. And I, and, I, and I think my opinion of it is similar to, to many other people's love. Love the first series. Uh, really, really compelled by that. Um, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson were just 
you know, absolutely wonderful. And then the second series was, um, for me personally, a real, a real disappointment. Thought series one always trod a fine line, like many great shows do. It trod a fine line between being really pompous and self-important and silly. It flirted with that, but it kept it on the right side, and it kept it captivating, and it was heady, and it was very rich, and 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 and, and it was really absorbing. And then series two, it was just the po-faced, self-important stuff without being absorbing. And it made me wonder how important the well, it, it made me believe that the the importance of um, Carrie Fukunaga, who directed series one, who has obviously done Maniac and is going to do the new Bond film. I think maybe looking back, he really made series one because it looked absolutely incredible. Um, and he didn't direct series two, but series three, I think it's a return to form. Um, I don't think it's hit the heights of series one. I still think um, Nick Pizzolato enjoys some some scenes, enjoys writing, and we, I don't really enjoy watching them. Um, yeah. They can be the very slow, self-important scenes, characters having deep, deep, meaningful heart-to-hearts, and you're thinking just, you know, there's a, come on, there's a missing girl. <laughs> yeah, we, well, let's save this for another time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, but I've really enjoyed it. I'll, I will confess, I've seen the first five episodes. Like, obviously, I won't give any, any spoilers away. Um, and it's remained compelling. Maharshala Ali, he's just wonderful. Really, really compelling. The old man makeup he's wearing in the 2015 storyline isn't too annoying. Mm. Um, but I'm really enjoying the presence of, of former 80s, early 90s idol Stephen Dorff. Yeah. Uh, really good in a, in a very difficult role, I think, because Mahashala Ali really dominates everything. And in the first couple of episodes, you can think of Stephen Dorff's character as being a little underwritten i think but i think his character comes into his own as as the series progresses what i do have to say is five episodes in i'm still not 100 percent sure if it's good or not this is my problem because i i watched the first one and i had the option to watch the next the next two actually so i was given three and i i didn't know whether i was being enamored by a good performance that was heightening the material and giving it a different level or whether when I stripped the timelines away whether there was actually much story to be told and so I decided not to and I haven't so far regretted the decision of not watching more because I think although he's fantastic the story's quite basic it's not as layered as perhaps the first one was and I, I didn't feel the pacing helped me at all I, I don't mind glacial pacing at times but I felt like this wasn't as tied to its setting. I didn't think the direction was as sort of engaging as the first lot. I sort of found the first one quite a slog to get through, really, if I'm brutally, brutally honest, despite that really engaging performance from Maharshala. That's my feelings on it. I mean, you you sort of at the, I've seen five, so I'll watch six, seven and eight sort of feel. Yeah, absolutely. No, I can, I can. I will watch the next three and I'll let everyone know. On episode eight, I'll be able to say whether because there's nothing worse, is there? Like we said earlier, of spending your time and hoping that something's going to turn out one way, and then realizing, oh, it was a lot of hot air. And I felt like there was a there was a sense of that based on just the one I saw. Yeah, I I I, I, I completely sympathise with that with that point of view, and I think partly the reason for that is series two. <laughs> the ghost of series two. The ghost of series two. I mean, it stank the place out, and the odor is still in the air when you're watching episode one of the new series. So you're thinking, this is a bit slow. It's a bit ponderous. It's a bit self-important. What does this remind me of? Oh, it reminds me of series two. Uh, even though, in terms of uh, setup and storyline, it's almost identical to series one. Funnily enough, yeah. um, almost a sort of homage. Um, to your series on, but one thing about it that's keeping me hooked is the portrayal of race and race relations in the storylines. Obviously, Mahashala Ali is black, and in the 1980s storyline, the society he's living in is quite racist and quite segregated, and he is on a par with his white detective partner, career-wise, but they are talked to very differently by people. They are treated very differently by people. They have to approach people completely 
differently. There's one point, I can't remember what episode it's in, where Mahershala Ali complains. He said, I, I put forward a theory and they blew it out of the water. And he says, Stephen Dorff, you should have said it because, you know, you're a white man. They wouldn't have blown the theory out of the water. And, 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 and that and, and, and keeps it up in the 1990 story, in the 1990 timeline and there are echoes of it in the 2015 as well so for me that is keeping me in there because i think it's being handled quite well though as i say end of series end of episode five i'm, I'm still on a knife edge if a- you if you tell me that episode eight everything all comes together because uh, there was a twist at the end of episode one which we won't spoil i'd not seen that done before and it go in that direction so that did intrigue me but it's the sort of thing where on this occasion i'm happy to let other people say yes spend your time on this because it's worth it i'd rather you take the bullet for me if you don't mind on this one we live we live in tv times we all have to sort of do our fair share of the the legwork for each other we can't watch can't watch everything and matt how did you feel Mainly the same. I did feel it was the um, the Mahershala Ali show sort of thing. I, you know, there's three different versions of that character of Wayne Hayes. But I thought by the end of episode one, I mean, I think you felt he was a fully defined character. I really liked the extended scene where he finds... Shouldn't spoil it, really. I was going. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> he finds that there's, there's a breakthrough in the case, let's just say. You, you find out that he was in long-range reconnaissance in the army, and that sort of brings into play his ability to find clues that other detectives can't, perhaps. And that leads him to a big discovery in the case. So um, I, I love that scene. I think he is a, a tremendous screen presence and you get little bits about his character. You know, there's this issue around his memory. You know, one of the first things he says is, you know, I've got a brilliant memory, even though this happened 10 years ago. But by the 2015 scenes, you've got stuff being read into a tape recorder for him. And I agree as well with Chris about the old man makeup didn't annoy me too much. I think I'm going to continue it and see where it goes. There was enough in there for me, definitely. True Detective is on Sky Atlantic uh, on Mondays at 9pm. Do watch it. And and as we say, Chris, you're going to have to take the button for that. If you tell me that episode 8... Because even series one was kind of open-ended, and I don't, I have to say, I don't want that much ambiguity. So if there's an ending where you think that blew my proverbial socks off and I have to tell the world, then make sure I'm one of the people in the world you tell. I will. Not... Be an announcement on Twitter. <laughs> there you yeah. go. I'll just sit by my computer until that <laughs> announcement comes in. Have you told your friends about this podcast? Okay, here we go. No. It's just not my idea of a good time. Tell them now. That's what the people want to hear. This is the Custard TV podcast. Good to the last drop. From thecustardtv.com. Should we go from the sublime to the ridiculous and go through the passage? Oh, (laughs) Christ. (laughs) We represent a government medical organization called Project NOAA. We're on the verge of an exciting breakthrough, a drug that makes people immune to disease. What does this have to do with me? We're offering you a second chance. You have the opportunity to take part in a drug trial. I know what I'd do. We're looking at a global pandemic. You get exposed at breakfast, you're dead by dinner. I got something. Nobody's gonna like it though. Yeah, well, I have a very open mind right now. Patient Zero. He's immune to disease, lethal and ugly as hell. We're still making progress. It's not just tweaks to the formula, it's age. 
Are you suggesting we try with a child? A child would come through with zero side effects. The CDC wants you to see a specialist in Colorado. How come there's no social worker? And how come they didn't send a lady? They always send a lady. They just sent us. Can you live with this? They see if I live with it or millions of people die. If you touch the kid again, I will shoot you in the face. I mention this every podcast and I really shouldn't. It's becoming an annoying habit of mine. But when I lived in America, blah, 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 you've heard the story a million times, I didn't watch any US TV hardly at all because of shows like this that is on network TV. This is The Passage. It's on Fox UK here on Tuesday nights. And it it is basically about a botched US government experiment that turns a group of death row inmates into highly infectious vampires. Right? You got that? Yeah? And then they use an orphan girl who is possibly the best thing about the whole damn thing who might be the only person to help them get to the end of the crisis that they're about to get into. Now, this is based on novels, apparently, that I've never read or Yeah, read no, I hadn't heard of them either beforehand. But, I mean, you, you two can discuss this, but let me just give my, my two penneth. There are scenes between Mark Paul Gosler or Zach Morris, as who, we'll call him, throughout. Who plays, who plays the sort of federal agent who's tasked to get this orphan girl and, and ends up sort of rescuing her, doesn't he, in a way? And the orphan played uh, played by um, um, Sania Sydney, who's called Amy. Those scenes are fantastic. And then you remember that they're in this god-awful show about zombies. Vampires, rather. The only other thing I will praise it for is if you are going to find out if vampires are going to converse with you and can hear things and experience emotions, using Fleetwood Max the chain... I was going to say, that was stuck in my head That's exactly (laughs) the direction I would go. That is a great track, and everybody should love it, and if you're a vampire and you don't, that's like, burn them, they're a witch. I just can't believe that we can talk about something as in-depth and gritty as True Detective that's on in the States right now, and then something as daft and basic... As this, the basic network dramas just offer me nothing and I find them silly and uninventive and unimaginative. Somebody else talk about the show for me. I thought when you were going to talk about your time in America, you're going to mention you went to the same high school as as Mark Paul Gosseler. Is that right? I don't don't like to bring that up every time. (laughs) Because we watched the trailer of this, didn't we, when we were doing our sort of American trailer sort of roundup of the new season. And I'd completely forgotten it. I'd forgotten this is the one with that Morris. I don't think they brought up the fact that there were vampires in it. And then there's that opening scene in, is it Bolivia? I think, yeah. Yeah, some, yeah. Yes. And and you're like, okay, it's a vampire. <laughs> and after that, you just completely. I mean, there's a random selection of people in this cast. Um, the 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 guy who played Desmond in Lost. The actress who plays one of the scientists who was. Um, Sasha in early 2000s drama As If. I don't know if either of you remember that. No. You don't waste your weekends, do you? No, no, no. I I mean, I was in college when that was on. That was almost (laughs) 20 years old at this point. Um, And I agree with you as well. The best thing was the the relationship between Amy and the the federal agent. Brad Woolgast, a very American name there. This was a little bit bonkers, but not too bonkers that I'm going to stick with it to find out where it goes next. But the, the thing was that when you were watching Zach Morris and the Orphan, which is the title <laughs> of the show they should have gone with, I, was, I wasn't I was engaged with it, but I was like, this is quite good. The dialogue between Zach Morris and the because Orphan... Because he's lost a daughter, hasn't he? That's the Yeah, thing. that was a bit contrived. I didn't like that. Zach Morris and the Orphan, the scenes between them were really quite engaging. I thought the Orphan character, Amy, was really sort of believable and... and you know, not given too bad a dialogue and very young, good young actress. And then you sort of remember, oh, it's a vampire show as well. The obvious thing to say about it is that, you know, you should put a stake through its heart, a bowl of garlic in its mouth and chop its head off. I think that's how you sort out vampires. It's absolute. it should be fired into the sun. It's, it's, <laughs> it's I can't understand how programs like this... I don't, I genuinely don't. It's, I mean, the script is, it reminds me, or it really, really reminds me of, is I don't know if you, I, I, you play video games, but um, 
I used to really enjoy the Resident Evil games 20 years ago when they were first, when they were first out. Um, part of the charm of those games were the cutscenes were purposefully, I think, purposefully bad and done in, in a very B-movie style. And the yeah. dialogue was, was ripe and the acting was terrible and the, the script was silly. And that's what it reminds me of. But they're doing it for real, you know. It's I don't know. They don't seem to try. It's like they don't want to lift themselves out of the sludge. I don't it's understand. Really, I think if you think about the script, it's a sort of lowest common denominator script. They don't want it to tax anyone's brain. They don't want it to be a challenge for anyone. It, it, it's really sort of insultingly, insultingly simple. I think. Yeah. Like, um, I just want to share some of my favourite dialogue with you from it. I think. I think easily my favourite line was early on. There was a scene um, of top scientists, and every single one of them, they were in a meeting room. Every single one of them was wearing a white lab coat. I don't know why they were in a meeting. We all wearing their white lab coats. I don't even know why they were wearing white lab coats. <laughs> and just to tell us they were. Scientists. So we knew how these are. Yeah. These aren't. These aren't normal people. These yeah. are scientists. They were government scientists, even, weren't they? The lead, the lead scientist lady. She said, um, "Someone came up with an idea," and she went, "Ah, oh, no, no, no. You need extensive passaging with anti-triptic activity." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this poor actress is picking up her script and going, "Right, I need to say." You need extensive passaging with anti-triptic activity. And I've got to really sound like I know what I'm talking about. It was horrible. At one point, um, the, the main hero's um, ex-wife rang him up. And literally the first thing she said to him was, Eva's birthday's coming up. It's been three years. All the scene later on when he rings her and the, all the agents are in and she's trying to surreptitiously talk to him while they're there and yes. she must just think everyone's stupid in, in yeah. that room but yes. i also like the fact that it's been three years and i was thinking what it's been three years since her last birthday or <laughs> yeah doesn't get easier finding presents does it every year <laughs> <laughs> she wants something different uh, risible the whole thing and no one should watch it um <laughs> They could have just retold it as I wouldn't mind a little road trip movie of Zach Morris and the Orphan, yeah. <laughs> just going around their business. Well, but five, no. apparently, five point two three million people watched it on Fox in the states. If you wanted a bit of, <sighs> I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know. Possibly up there with not only one of the worst shows I've seen in a long time, but one of the worst we've ever given podcast time to. Mm. And I only was watching it because I knew. There's two other people in this with me. <laughs> yeah, we're all in it together. Yes. The best and the worst on the box. It's the Custard TV podcast. They're too good to be true. The fourth and final review, again, we struggled to find anything of note this week, is a little-known series on Walter Presents. I think the first episode went out on some something like Tuesday or Thursday night, and then as is the tradition now the whole box set is up on all four it's a scandi noir drama called the river basically from norway, start... isn't it this one from norway yeah basically starts with a young girl she's playing near the river she finds a severed hand i mean it's quite relatable from the off <laughs> we've all we've all been there uh and then sort of like the scandi noir dramas do sort of splits off and tells you different stories and you're not really sure how all these people connect we meet her mother working as a prostitute trying to get money to leave her mother's house and uh, take the daughter away and start a new life we've got um, an army base that the river is nearby that is apparently going to be crucial later on but there are all these disparate stories that will eventually as we know from this genre all come together it ends with the girl who discovered the hand running away because she hears her uh, mum and grandmother arguing. She runs away from the house and is found dead uh, near the army base. And that's basic. That is the basic plot, really. Quite a basic crime story, and there's all these different things which are going to merge together. There wasn't enough in there no. for me to, to grab hold of. Uh, I mean, I watched this after the passage, so maybe I'm feeling a bit more generous towards it. But it wasn't even the equivalent of ITV's Vera. I can't think what it would be, but it's sort of just what the was more that? basic. The, the lock 
Do you remember that? Yeah, the lock on ITV is probably the closest <laughs> thing. Yeah, I think it's a sign that because we're sort of awash with all these foreign dramas, we've said Unintended. it before. Unintended. Yes, let's go with that. Yeah. Let's let's say that I meant to say that. I don't know. They just didn't grab me, and I'm. So, but again, I knew you two were watching it. So, how did you feel about this one? I found this program absolutely impossible to review. We've seen this program so mm. many times. I have. I can't. I. I think I actually watched the first two episodes, and I've got not a clue if it's good or not. No, I did. <laughs> did you read it? It's a recurring theme, really, doesn't it? Chris? <laughs> Do you think you should really be writing reviews for the time? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. I've just seen, I've just seen it done so many times, and I, and I, yeah. I was watching it, and I was like, "Am I even still watching this program? Am I just watching one of the others?" I can't remember. You know, it, it's snowing. There are pine forests. There's a grumpy detective. There's a dead girl. There's shady people in in, in positions of power it's bleak everyone wants to leave it's very cold all the time (laughs) you know i've seen it i've seen it now it's not rubbish it's not no it's not rubbish but it depends what you can when you compare anything to to the passage it's not rubbish but it's just very bland might be the word just very sort of formulaic is it bland I don't know anything. <laughs> no. I, I think for me, the, the main issue is it didn't really have that character that it was sort of centred around. Normally with these crime dramas, you've got, as you said, the troubled detective, and we did have that here, but he didn't seem to always be the focus of the drama, and I didn't know who my main focus should be on, really. I believe that as the drama continues, the, the, the grumpy cop and the lady who's the soldier are going to sort of form some kind of... Avengers Assemble crime fighting duo, <laughs> um, but that's going to happen happen quite soon. I think the best analogy, and I hope no one finds this offensive, but the best analogy I can come up with. Ten years ago, I went to uh, the Roskilde Festival in Denmark, which is like, you know, the Danish version of Glastonbury, and it's pretty massive. People from all over Europe and particularly Scandinavia go to it. I don't know if you've ever travelled to Scandinavia, but without exception, everyone is stunningly beautiful. It would irritate me. But, it, but the first day you're there, you're walking around the festival, you're like, wow, everyone's beautiful. This, this is incredible. They're so, they're so beautiful. After two or three days, it actually becomes a little bit oppressive. And then after about five days, you're like, actually, I don't know if they're beautiful anymore. Because everyone is the same. So you know what I mean? Everyone's the same attractiveness. It's like, how do you then work out who is attractive or not? And I think this is the same thing with Scandi Noir now. There's just so many of them. I've seen so many of them. If we'd seen the river 10 years ago, would we be talking about it in the same way we talk about the killing? We'd be like, wow. I hope not. I this hope is not. amazing. I, I, honestly, my critical faculties have failed on the river because I just can't, I can't see the wood from the trees anymore with Scandi Noir. Well, it was dark in places. <laughs> I do think, though, Luke, you are right. Is this is sort of one of those also-ran ones that we are getting, like, everything now. Yeah. from from yeah. Scandinavia because I, we've had the big hitters and now to fill this, you know, Walter Presents seems to just be getting everything. Did you see Trapped from Iceland, um, Chris? Yeah, or from yeah. The, see, I really liked that. That and, was great. And this has, like, the look and feel, but no, but it's completely empty. That's how I felt. It has with the, the, the one compelling strand to it, I think, I think, is... <laughs> The location of it, because it's right up in, right in the far, far, far north of Norway, where Norway sort of bends over like a sort of tree in the wind and touches Russia. And so it's right on the Russian-Norway border. So the interesting thing there is the tension between Norway and Russia, which is, which is real, which exists within the real world. And it's army base there, and there's obviously tension between the Norwegian army and, uh, and the Russian army. I don't think that's brought out very well. But that is there in the background, and that sort of makes it sort of interesting, I think, although it hasn't really come into it yet, from what I've seen. Yeah, it's, it, it, I think we're just being oversaturated by all these dramas, and it is harder to find. Like, Trap stood out. I remember watching that. I watched the double bill on BBC4, and I was like, this is something special. The bridge was obviously something very special and sort of changed my view of what good crime drama is and then the killing obviously the juggernaut but it's like if we were sending them all our best dramas 
we're going to run out of good dramas to send them and they're going to end up seeing ITV's The Lock or Vera or whatever if they've got a hunger for British drama. It doesn't mean it's all going to be fantastic stuff, you know? Hence why America has something like The Sopranos and Breaking Bad and then we're talking about The Passage. Nowhere has perfect television and we're just getting too much of the same stuff. If you want to, I think we've sold it well. If you want to... <laughs> If you want to, the river is all there as part of the Walter Present box set on all four. But I don't know, I just didn't enjoy it at all. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com Over the past three weeks, or two weeks I should say, we've given our guests complexes at the end of the show with a little game we like to call Boxmaster, where only the first two people to play it scored 12 and it's now Chris's turn to play Boxmaster and hopefully, okay. hopefully, <laughs> beat 12. The man who at the start of this show I thought was a TV critic and now he's questioning his ability to review <laughs> things. How well will he do on Boxmaster? Okay, let's begin. Again, not affiliated in any way with with BBC Radio 2's Popmaster. I should we just should say the, just the format and the title <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> okay, so Chris, we have two bonus um, themes. You can either pick between "Here Come the Girls" or the number seven. Oh gosh, uh, um, "Here Come the Girls" or the number seven. Um, I'll go. I'll go for "Here Come the Girls." Yes. Um, Larkhall Prison was the major setting of which British TV series? Um, Porridge? No, Luke, do you know? I know the name. It's not Bad Girls, is it? It is Bad Girls. <laughs> Question number two. Um, John Sim and Olivia Coleman played siblings in BBC miniseries Exile, but who played their father? I don't remember that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I can feel the complex coming on. I probably am going to have to resign after this. Um, I, I, I'm going to, I, I don't know, Michael Gambon? Close. Luke, do you remember? Yeah, it's Jim Broadbent, so you're in the right oh, yeah. area. Yeah. Um, okay, so bonus, here comes the girls. <laughs> Where in the US is HBO comedy drama Girls set? I mean, I feel like I'm going to get this wrong. Um, Have a go. Oh, it's New York, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, well done. Okay. <laughs> Question number four. I take care of both of them, which ain't easy because when they met it was murder, is a line from the opening of which classic American crime drama? I take say the quote again. I I will do. I take care of them both, which ain't easy because when they met, it was murder. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Classic America. I thought it was murder. Something to do with murder. Um, and a, and a duo, a two true people. That could be anything, couldn't it? They're all the same. Um, Dexter. No, it's a lot earlier than that. I uh, would have guessed Moonlighting. You're closer, Luke. Um, heart to Heart is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Matt hates you. I didn't realise this until now. You can have a... You certainly have a stab at this one. Um, the Vicar of Dibley, The Fast Show and Room 101 all debuted on British TV in which year? Oh, good question. The Vicar of Dibley Fasho and... Room 101. Oh, okay. Well, I, I was, when, I was, when I was a young lad, I was obsessed with the Fasho. I loved it. And I was quite young. So, I'm going to go 
for uh, 19 19 6 5 5 95 <laughs> it's another one year out it's 94, 94. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right betty white and Rue McLannan were two of the four actresses in the lead ensemble of the golden girls name either of the other two oh god <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Ah! <laughs> oh, no. Think honestly, I don't know. Okay, you could have had either Estelle Getty or B. Arthur. Uh. Right, you can still claw it back, Chris. Don't worry. Thanks. <laughs> question number seven. Lisa Tarbuck <laughs> and Simon Mayo both hosted revivals of which classic quiz show? Lisa Tarbuck and Simon Mayo? Yeah, in a separate revival, so not together. Oh, what is what does Lisa Tarbuck do? Remember. Um ah! <laughs> <laughs> It's a classic quiz show. It was it was two different revivals at different times. Oh, I don't know. Blankety blank. No. Blockbusters. Blockbusters. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, question number eight. Which animated character hosted Channel 4's alternative Christmas message in 2004? Um, animated, 2004. Oh, flipping heck. Um, or is either something that was big in 2004, or like that frog or something, or it's a famous one. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna play it safe and say, Homer Simpson? I'll give you a couple of points for that. It was Marge Simpson. Oh! No, you've yeah. got to have some points for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Sure, I'll give you two points for that. Right, thank it you. Was, Homer did feature, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, we'll go. Actually, I'll go give you the full points for that, because that was... That was okay, yeah, okay. This might be a bit of a hard one for your bonus. Here come the girls. Here come the Which ITV sitcom of the 1980s, which starred the likes of French and Saunders and Ruby Wax, was seen as a female version of the young ones? Oh, I know this. I can't remember the name. Ah! I think it's, it's Here Come the Girls, so there's a clue there. You only need two more words after girls. Girls. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I don't know it. Girls on top. Yes! Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, question number 10. The Voice UK <laughs> Series 5 winner, Kevin Sim, originally came to prominence in a group formed on which other reality TV series? Uh, oh, Kevin Sim was... Um, I remember Kevin Sim. I can see him. I can see him in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was... Oh, I can't remember which one he did. He did one of them, didn't he? Um, I'll go for Pop Idol. It was actually pop stars. He was in Liberty X, which was full. <laughs> <laughs> but no good news there. Um, 15 points. You're hot yeah. top of the leaderboard. Top of the leaderboard. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, uh, you know, I've um, the best of a bad lot, I think, there. <laughs> What I like about this game is everybody that plays it makes the same annoyed noises. I, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, so Chris is now... Top of the leaderboard. The top of the leaderboard. All right. He, he's the girl on top. If you want to play the game next time, you just have to get in touch and say you'd like to join us, or if you've got any suggestions... For questions that can make people make those noises Chris just made, uh, get in touch with us. <laughs> and and we did mention as well, obviously, we're still looking for choices for our rewind feature where we're looking at a, a show episode by episode. 
which yeah. I think we should start in in the next couple of episodes. So if yeah, you get those when, in on yeah. social media, yeah, at Custard TV Pod or directly to me at Luke Custard TV. Um, Chris, you're on Twitter. How do people follow you if they want to? Um, if they would like to, then my Twitter handle is Chris Benyon, B E W N I O N underscore, because some other type <laughs> Chris Benyon ahead of me, so I had to stick a little underscore at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I basically tweet about how little I know about TV. Well, you will now. You'll have to go and like, buy every copy of the Radio Times or the Cycle. Yeah. Um, that was great fun. Thank you ever so much for joining us. Thanks, Chris. Pleasure. Thanks Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. And hopefully, now that you're top of the leaderboard, you'll go away with less of a complex than you arrived with. Absolutely. Only just. Only just. Um, and you don't have to watch episode two of The Passage for any particular reason. <laughs> you'll get, you get to work now and they said, oh, yeah, no, we've got a good lot of stuff about The Passage. We need you to do an episode <laughs> by episode thing. OK, well, we will be back. We're not coming back next week uh, for this for the exact reason that we don't think there's enough to discuss next week. But we'll be back the following week with another Custard TV podcast. Thanks for now. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.